thewellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. Welcome to the Primal Alternative Podcast, featuring actionable tips from real people with real stories about real food. This show is presented by Primal Health Coach Helen Marshall, who empowers other paleo-loving, thermomix-owning mums to start a sustainable, faff-free business of their own with the Primalista License. The Primalista License brings primal alternatives to the foods we love to our communities, making primal living more doable with less falling off the wagon. The Primalista License is available at www.primalalternative.com. And now, introducing your host, Helen Marshall. Welcome to the Primal Alternative Podcast, episode 64, with addictions specialist Tamala Ridge. And it's really ironic because today I'm working from a community resource center because, um, as you probably know, we're still doing renovations. And at the moment, we've got Jiprockers in. So we're nearing the end. In and it's dusty and it's noisy and they play loud music and they told me to basically get out so that I wasn't in the way. <laughs> so I've had a lovely little room here. Normally I get room two. Today I've got room three, which is heaps more cozy and comfy, but it must be some kind of drug and alcohol cancelling room because there's stuff about drugs and alcohol and pregnancy and alcohol and sexual abuse and anxiety. And I'm like, whoa, what an amazing synchronicity to be bringing to you, our addiction specialist. Now, don't skip past if you're like, oh, I don't have an addiction. So I don't need to listen to that because Tam has got a very unconventional approach to addictions is probably the best way to describe it. And as well as being an addiction specialist. So she's worked as a drug and alcohol counselor in rooms like this um, for over 10 years. And she realized that we've all been focusing on the wrong thing, right? And we're actually or not. And you'll need to listen to the episode to get all of the physiological reasons and education essentially to really be able to swallow this one. Oh, do you like that one? So she, her, her premise is that we are more addicted to the come down than the high, right? And she has developed her own groundbreaking, earth-shaking, down way of working with addiction, and it's having incredible results. So if you're one of those people who um, has a really uh, good day at work and then feels like they need to unwind with a bottle of wine or if you um, reach for a chocolate bar when things aren't, you know, when your emotions are running high or if you use food as a way to occupy yourself or distract yourself, we can all relate to one of those, right? And don't worry, you're not on your own. It's and you are not alone and there is something you can do about it. And Tam's here to let us know that addiction is essentially the opposite of connection. And in our hypervigilant, super stressful society, we've lost connection. So Tam's going to show us some connection strategies to self, to to spirit, so that we can become more addicted to love or on a physiological level, would be the oxytocin as opposed to being addicted to fear. 
which is your stress response, your cortisol, your adrenaline. Absolutely amazing. Really, really good. And Tam's going to talk us through her own beliefs around chocolate, wine, and alcohol. That's going to be an interesting one, isn't it, for that typical question? And how her own experience with a drug and alcohol addiction, a domestic violence um, upbringing, infidelity, how all of that's really helped her on her journey to guide other women to get away from their toxic thoughts to more tonic thoughts. Super empowering episode. There's lots of takeaways that you can start to implement right away. But if you do want to work with Tam, the best place to Facebook page, which is simply called Tamala Ridge. So it's Tamala as in Pamela. And for a few years, I used to call her Patamala, just because I'm hilarious. Um, so it's T-A-M-A-L-A. Ridge, R-I-D-G-E, Tamala Ridge. Check her out on Facebook and follow her. Tam is a personal friend of mine. Uh, she lives in Denmark, WA, which is where I live as well. And we've been friends to close to 10 years. We've got kids about the same age that just love each other and um, sleepovers and playdates. And yes, and Tam is really, I can say, hand, hand on my heart, one of the most genuine, loving authentic, good listening, <laughs> like friends on the planet. Like you just never feel judged when you're with Tam. She's always got an open heart, always pos- positive. And um, if you, so if, what I'm trying to explain is if Tam's message resonates with you through this podcast today, then absolutely reach out to work with her. She's got three different ways to work with her which she will um, go through in the, in the episode today. And it's just a joy to be able to um, showcase a very personal friend of mine and whose work I 100% back. I just think what she's doing is amazing. And I see it a lot you know, with my health coaching. Very easy to make the changes. And you know, I am all about no deprivation, right? Deprivation free. And Tam's message, we're very aligned in our thoughts and beliefs actually um, because, you know, humans just don't like deprivation. You know it, right? Because when you take something away, you, you just think about it and you want it more. So Tam's approach is very much about crowding things out and, and you don't need to even worry about how much wine you're drinking because you're spending more on the connection and you're filling your cup with oxytocin love vibes instead of cortisol fear vibes. Wonderful. So as well as being an addiction specialist, she's also an IIN health coach, an EFT teacher and practitioner, and a spiritual mentor and intuitive coach. So she's got all of the qualifications, the experience, and the tools to help you live a more love-based life to help you choose a love over fear. So you're going to love this episode. On my health coaching programs, people are very happy to try all the things, but to sustain them, that's a different story, right? And if so if you've tried a program and thought, oh, this is great, but then you're like, oh, I feel better now. I'll just go back to what I was doing before. Then just know that that's not, that's not you, you being like a failure or anything. That's just human nature. And what we need to delve deeper into is right, well, what's the emotional triggers underneath that? What is there that's pulling you back to that, to the, you know, the addiction to the low, the hangover, as opposed to the high of beautiful, healthy, clean living? So check it out. 
Got to give a quick shout out to the Primal Listers, the Primal Alternative food range, in case you have never come across me or Primal Alternative before. This is the first time you're tuning in. Welcome. I love you, my listener. Seriously, it would be a rubbish episode if it was just me talking to my very sexy microphone. Um, but I do know that because I did actually dare myself to open the stats of the podcast the other day had over 25,000 downloads, which isn't bad just for a mum from Albany who's not a celebrity and who's only been hosting for a couple of years. So I'm really proud of those statistics and really grateful to all of the 25,000 people who've downloaded it. So I know for sure that it must be more than just me and my mum that are listening now. So thank you. Um, I am H, uh, that's short for Helen Marshall, but I do prefer to be called H. And I am the founder of the grain-free food range, Primal Alternative. And I help you have a deprivation-free life on your grain-free journey with our delicious range of breads, pizza bases, cookies, pastries, and jellies that are all crafted from real whole food ingredients. Um, so you can have your toast, you can have your cake and eat it basically on your clean living journey without. Now I created the range and the products down here in Denmark. Um, Tam is a longstanding Primal Alternative fan. She's always got some of my bread chopped up in the freezer and she has pizza night every Friday on your Tam. Um, and yeah, been a support for me for the last four years while I've been running Primal Alternative, baking it myself. And then when I franchised my successful baking business so that other women like me who are really digging the clean living lifestyle and wanted to create a business that served them from there. So I created this business model so other women could, I could just teach them everything I know. And now Primal Alternative is worldwide which is just mind-blowing. Um, at the time of recording, I'm four Primalistas away from my first 100 Primalistas. So that's the first 100 founding Primalistas. And in the 90s, we uh, broke into the US uh, with Rashonda Young in Iowa and into New Zealand with Susie Cole and into the UK, my besties of 21 years, Louise, uh, in West Yorkshire. Ilkley, Ilkley Moabatat. You can all have a laugh at that. Um, so, yeah, just incredible. So, if you want to be part of this incredible movement, please go and check out my website, primalalternative.com. We have got an online shop which you can, um, you can purchase anything you want on there. You can check out where our stockists are and you can also find out more about becoming a primal alternative producer or as I prefer to say, a primalista. Let's get my gorgeous friend, Tam. Welcome to the show, Tam. It's so cool to have you here today. I'm so excited to be here today, H. Get to hang out with you. I know, it's so crazy because like we're, this is like you're in the same town. This is like the first time this has happened. You're just down the road because you're in Denmark, same as me. And I just thought, oh, maybe we should get together and we could just do the recording in one room. But I actually didn't know, I don't know how to do a recording. <laughs> I don't know how to not use technology. <laughs> oh, yeah, I didn't even think of that either. That's okay. We'll just have fun in our own houses. <laughs> yeah, let's rock, rock it in our own in our own venues. So before we get into all things addiction, which is a really 
hot topic and I can't wait to interview you. Tell us what you had for breakfast. Okay, so um, I went down to our beautiful local coffee shop that you and I always hang out in and I got myself a happy green juice because I love to, I really, I'm trying to get into the habit over years and years and years of having a green juice for breakfast. Um, and then, um, about an hour later, I'll have an, maybe some protein, like an egg, some avocado, you know, if there's anything left over from last night, but yeah, I really just try and have, actually I have a lemon juice first, like a whole 600 mils of lemon juice. Then I have about a 600 mils of green juice and then I'll have some protein, egg and fats. So yeah, when you say yeah. so 600 mils of lemon juice, you mean in water, right? Cause you would yes, yeah, no, die. not straight lemon juice. Yes, like <laughs> lemon water. <laughs> Your insides would like shrivel up. Like yeah. yeah. And I know it's 600 mils because I drink it out of my partner's BB pint glass. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Cool. Awesome. Well, let's, let's get into um, your story. How did you become to be an addiction specialist oh that's such a great story um basically because I was an addict myself um but I I grew up in a um a beautiful you know a very privileged middle class house you know in Perth I went to an all-girls private school you know I had a really beautiful privileged life um but there was a very strong undercurrent of um, domestic violence in my household, alcoholism and infidelity. And I grew up feeling rather unsafe and disconnected because of those issues. And um, well, it's raining really heavily here. Can you hear the rain? Is yeah, it okay? I can. It's not raining here yet, though, but it might, it might get to this. It will soon. <laughs> Sounds lovely. Um, and so I think, you know, I, I didn't learn how to resolve conflict. You know, I didn't learn how to attach properly. So I was, you know, I was one of those crazy teenagers that, that turned to drugs and alcohol to find connection, to find happiness, to find joy, and all those things that I felt like I was missing in my family life. And um, I did it really well. And I was a party girl. And I, for the first time in my life, I really felt like I found a tribe. And I found, um, I thought I was finding happiness through these other mediums. And so, of course, you know, continuing along that path, you know, a lot of dysfunction started to happen in my life, you know, bad relationships and um, depression and anxiety and all that that goes along with long-term drug use and alcohol use. And then I pretty much fell into a job as a drug and alcohol counsellor, which most of my friends think, well, at the time thought was hilarious because here I was, you know, using quite a lot myself. But... As you know, and as I know, we, we, we teach what we most need to learn. You know, it became my road to healing. And as I learnt all of the techniques and all of the theory and all of the knowledge and all of the counselling around supporting others with their drug and alcohol addictions, I went on my own healing journey. And um, which also brings me to a point that I think, you know, being of service is also a really amazing tool to heal you know a lot of people think I have to have my shit together completely and utterly before I can go out and, and support or help anyone else and really for me that it's not true I think you know it happens side by side so so yeah that's pretty much how I ended up in in that world um, and then my own journey of recovery from that occurred purely from that initial job or that offer yeah 
So tell us a bit about your recovery. How did you navigate that? Um, good question. You know, it's a journey. It's, it's a long process. It's experimenting. And, and what I did, I really became my own guinea pig. You know, I was sitting there advising and supporting and, you know, supporting others. And I tried all of these techniques on myself. But what I did learn was, you know, in the mainstream industry of mental health and, and drug and alcohol, there's, there's a, a really big significant piece that's missing. And really it was the piece for me that, that ended up in a successful recovery for myself. And it was really about connection. And it was really about filling our cup with all of our connections rather than taking anything away from a depleted cup you know, people would rock up and they would either, you know, be sent off to, to AA or, you know, to, you know, they had to stop what they were doing in order to, to recover. But if we take things away from a depleted cup, then, then they're likely to come back. So we were, I felt like we were focusing in the wrong area. So my work now involves not even worrying about the addiction that we're, that we're struggling with and taking our focus right over to another space where, we focus on filling our cup with connection activities, connection to ourself, connection to others, connection to earth, and most importantly, connection to spirit. Now, that can mean something different for everybody, but until we feel connected um, wholly and solely, then the desire for those addictive substances simply fall away all on their own accord. So we're not taking something away and having it fling back like a lucky band we're going to fill our cup over here with our soul food what we're really truly energetically and spiritually hungry for and then the desire for any of those other things which which are actually disconnection they, they tend to fall away so that was that's what I learned in my own recovery and that's now what I teach and that's now how I support others along that road so what you're saying is that addiction is not necessarily you know, what we think it is, but it's just the opposite of connection. Yes, definitely. So, you know, we can definitely physiologically be addicted to substances, you know, um, our body will crave it if it doesn't have it anymore. But usually most drugs, most alcohol, when we stop it and it, and it's left our body, it's usually only three or four days, um, that we're not physiologically addicted to it anymore. It's left, the, it's left the body. We've gone through our withdrawals. The body no longer craves it. Um, so how can we end up back on it, you know, whatever the substance is? And really it's because there's an emotional attachment. There's an emotional addiction. And one of the most important points that I teach is that we're not addicted to the high. What we're actually addicted to is the come down. What we're actually addicted to is the feeling that we feel after. So, you know, after we've had a bottle of wine and we wake up and we're feeling shameful, guilty, sluggish, like just bullet, that's the feeling that we're actually addicted to um, because we spend a lot longer phase in the come down than we do in the high. You know, the high might last, you know, a couple of minutes after some chocolate or it might last a couple of hours if, we, if we've been drinking. But the come down might last hours days weeks months years you know we're spending a lot we're feeding our system the come down a lot on a lot longer basis than we are on the high so that's where we need to do the work is on the come down 
And a lot of people really freak out when I tell them that. They go, you can't be serious. How could I possibly be addicted to the hangover? But when I explain it um, on a physiological level, it really makes sense. Um, and I can do that for you now because it will probably be helpful. Yeah, because I was just going to say, because that's, that's, that's my reaction. I'm sure the listeners will be like doing records, scratch, like, what? I'm addicted what? to the yeah. hangover. Like, no, I'm not. I'm addicted to the the warm and fuzzy relaxing feeling I get, you know, my, like, as you yeah. call it, my wind down, my wind down, like you, yeah. you, you think that's what you're craving, that warm feeling when you've got the glass of wine in your hand, you like my jobs are done for the day. This is me yeah. time. I've deserved this. All of those sorts of things that we tell ourselves, whether it's yeah. wine or it's a cigarette or it's, it's something a bit more hardcore um, or it's a coffee or whatever it is. So, but then, like you said, there is that usual, even if it's not so much of a hangover, there is that sort of like the low after you've had yeah. that warm fuzzy feeling. So how can we actually, like nobody would say, yeah, man, I can't wait for that hangover tomorrow because I just love that sensation of feeling so shit. Like no one's going to admit that. So how, what's going on then? How can yeah. we be addicted to that come down? Explain yeah. it to me. Yes, I would love to. So you're right, consciously we're not hanging out for the hangover, absolutely not, but it's subconsciously and it's within the makeup of our cells. So we can talk energetically, physically, spiritually, but on a physical level what happens is um, our cells become addicted to stress and stress comes in all sorts of forms. So when we're, when we're in that come down phase, we're usually having some quite intense inner critical thoughts, you know, the shameful thoughts, the why did you do that? Why didn't you stop? I'm never going to do that again. Now I feel like crap. Every time we have a negative thought, we produce um, tiny amounts of chemicals in our body that are a mixture of stress hormones, so adrenaline, cortisol. Um, so toxic thoughts produce toxic chemicals in our body. Tonic thoughts produce tonic chemicals in our body. So the hangover is made up of a lot of toxic thinking and feelings. So on a physiological level, our cells um, have on the outside of them what's known as receptor sites. And the receptor sites are like the, key, the lock and the hormones are the key. So different receptor sites are different shapes to receive different shaped hormones. So say we've got uh, receptor sites for adrenaline and cortisol that receive the, the little hormones, but we also have receptor sites on our cell for the happy hormones, the oxytocin, the serotonin, the dopamine. But what happens is our society today has become a highly stressful society. Most of us have become hypervigilant. Everything is a stress, parenting, paying the bills, going to work, cleaning the house, doing things on time, you know, where everything is designed to be, to create stress. So we've all developed the addiction to adrenaline as our fuel source. So what happens is when we're slowly drip feeding adrenaline cortisol to our cells, what happens is the oxytocin and the happy hormone receptor sites actually start to die off. And we grow more receptor sites for adrenaline and cortisol because that's what we're feeding it on a long-term basis. So what we've done is we've physiologically changed the makeup of our cells through our stressful society and therefore our cells have become addicted to adrenaline and cortisol. 
So what happens is, um, and, and I'm sure that your listeners will be familiar with this, what's known as the upper limit, yeah? So we're having a good day, you know, we've got home from work, we've, we've had a great day at work and we walk in the house and we think, oh my God, let's celebrate, let's have a glass of wine. And so what's actually happening there is the cells are going, hang on a minute, there's all this oxytocin coming in and it's freaking me out, I'm not used to this, what the cell actually wants is some adrenaline and cortisol. So it'll send some messages to the brain. I think you should have some wine now because I know that eventually in a few hours' time, you're going to feed me a whole lot of adrenaline and cortisol. And then bang, we've got the hangover. Subconscious goes, oh, thank God, that's what I was craving. The cells go, thank God, that's what I was craving. We're going to beat ourselves up and feel like crap. So it's the cells that are hungry for the adrenaline and cortisol because what happens is on a primitive sense, we're so used to having adrenaline and cortisol drive us. You know, we're so busy from running away from the dinosaur that on a subconscious level we think, oh, my God, if we turn off adrenaline and cortisol and we relax for one minute, the dinosaur is going to get us. We're hypervigilant. So we have to create drama. We have to create um, addictions to substances that are going to have a come down in order to stay on. Yeah, get your head around that. Did that make sense? Yeah, no, it absolutely does. And, you know, I'm sure there'll be a few um, listeners out there just with their minds blown right now. It's like, wow. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, well, it's, it's not really something that uh, I've heard before. You know, like it's, I think um, the uh, teachings that you have, Tam, are pretty, uh, pretty out there in terms of like nobody's heard it before. Like, we're, like you say, we're all focusing we're all focusing on the wrong thing. So you talk, you've yeah. talked about stress. You've talked about drama. What are we ultimately talking about? Like if you were going to give it like just one big blanket term, what are we looking at? I love that you asked that question. So really it all comes back to an addiction to fear. It's fear or love. And we can break it down very, very simply. Fear is adrenaline. Cortisol, love is oxytocin. Oxytocin is the love drug. It, it's what we produce when we've when we've had our children, when we're breastfeeding, when we're connecting, when we've had really great sex, you know, when we're having those beautiful, deep and intimate conversations and we walk out into nature and we see a rainbow and we're blown away by a sense of awe, that's love, that's heaven. What we're addicted to is fear. Like a whole entire society is set up to be a fearful society um, based on the fact that, you know, it's a country that we're... We, we're all in debt, you know, we all have mortgages, we're all running away from something to escape the stress of. And, you know, wine is a fabulous way to turn off the stress response. It's a depressant drug. It depresses the central nervous system. So it's a really good way of turning off the stress response and turning off the fear and the stress of the day. And that's why we get to wine time and we have a glass of wine and we go, ah, you know, our brain turns off. You can feel that total relaxant in the body. It's like, oh, thank God, I'm just going to turn off for five freaking minutes. Um, but what happens is ultimately then it feeds the hangover, yeah, and then bang, we're into fear the next morning. We're shameful, we're guilty, we're loathsome, we're gluggish and we're fearful and we think, oh, my God, how am I ever going to get up today and do all the things that I need to do and then I'm, then I'm on again, then I'm back on that adrenaline trail. So really um, it's fear. Fear or love, we're addicted to fear. So this is a really good opportunity to ask you my um, my question that I ask all my guests, <laughs> which is, what is your opinion on the great areas of clean living? Uh, your personal opinion, based on the work that you do around chocolate, 
alcohol mm-hmm. and coffee. And we might as classic. well just throw class A drugs in there as well. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> so I love that question as well. And quite often a lot of people would say to me, you know, people have, I don't actually drink very much anymore. I was, like I said, I was a very big alcohol drinker. Alcohol was my drug of choice. Um, And, you know, I've probably done two and a half years now of 95% sobriety. Like very occasionally I'll have a drink and it might be a New Year's Eve or a birthday or a cocktail party. Um, But so my personal opinion about alcohol, chocolate and coffee is that alcohol, chocolate and coffee are not a problem. It's the underlying emotional trauma that we all have that has gone unresolved, that has turned into stress and fear, that then we've reached for these other substances to help turn off that stress response, which then ultimately feed the fear. That is the problem. Alcohol, coffee and chocolate are completely fine. And what I say in my webinars is, because as soon as I say, you know, we're addicted to the calm down and blah, 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 and everyone starts freaking out. But what I say to them is if you don't have a hanger, if you have one or two glasses of wine at night with your dinner and you wake up the next morning and you're not beating yourself up and you're not feeling gluggy and you don't regret it, it's not a problem. If you have um, if you have one or two pieces of chocolate at night after your dinner and you're just you know hitting that sweet spot and it's really yummy and you don't beat yourself up about it, it's not a problem. And the same with coffee. Some people drink one or two coffees a day. They don't um, have any side effects. They're not beating themselves up. It's not a problem. Everything in balance and moderation. And the other thing that I would say as well is that if you're using alcohol, chocolate and coffee to escape from something, then yes, potentially there's an issue there. If you're having a glass of wine out of reverence and sacredness and celebrating and having an intimate moment with your partner and there's love involved, it's completely fine. The same as chocolate. You know, chocolate's heaven. Let's just hold on to this point because I know that amongst my listeners, there's quite a lot of people coming from a very kind of like orthodox way of eating and living and it's got to be like a hundred percent perfect otherwise they've failed and then they're off the wagon and, and they're beating themselves up you know so it's like I really want to drive this point home in that what we're looking at here is a, there's a real difference between like what Tam's saying in terms of having one you know and it's the quality of the, the, the stuff they have as well right so if you're having one yeah. beautiful fair trade organic black coffee a day and you love the ritual of that and it's not smashing up your liver and you're not getting hypoglycemia or a massive cortisol reaction and, and blood sugar crash from it, then go ahead and enjoy your freaking coffee. And the same for your fair trade dark kick, 70% cacao chocolate. Like yeah. if, that's, if that's what you're enjoying, enjoy it. And the same with alcohol, like, you know, like you've said, Tam, if you enjoy the odd glass of wine and you can have periods of time without alcohol, you know, and you have your alcohol-free days and keep it all. Um, it's, uh, it's not, I guess, not so much like uh, balance or moderation even. It's more of a uh, your intention. Like if, this, if your intention is to, oh, my God, I've had such a shit day, where's the drink? Um, or you're using it as like, you know, we both have in the past a crutch, like your day has been shit and you need to wind down so you, you, you're having a wine. And then the next morning you've got a hangover, so you're having a coffee to get going. That's when there's other things that, you know, if, you, if you've got the energy, you need to have a look at what those triggers are underneath there and what's going on underneath those triggers, what emotions are there, right? So it's yeah. like, don't freak out. Like, 
you know, you haven't broken yourself. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Just for those listeners that are going, oh shit, oh no, now I'm completely broken. Yes. Yeah. I love that. Absolutely. So I love your word intention. And yes, the intention, if we can go back to fear or love, am I, am I having this because of fear, because I'm stuffing something down, because I'm escaping something, because there's a, there's a stress response that I'm running away from, or am I having this because I, I just really love it and it doesn't really affect me. And, you know, I have a relatively healthy lifestyle. Um, it's, it's all about stress. It really, really is. If you're going to stress about it and worry about it and wish that you weren't doing it, um, you know, I've got my little theory on and, you know, people would probably smack me across the back of the head for saying this, but, you know, you look at, and, and I've spent a few times, you know, in bars and looking at the little old men up the end of the bar that are chain smoking their cigarettes and drinking their pints of beer all day long and they live till they're 97. I reckon it's because they, they're not stressing about what they're doing. Yeah. I mean, yes, there's probably a severe addiction there and yes, they're running away from it, but but it's the stress that ends up, you know, it's the epigenetics as well. We can turn on those cancer genes and those um, diseased genes purely through our lifestyle and our lifestyle boils down to stress. If we're stressing about it and there's a hangover and there's a come down and then I'm in a loop, then yes, there's a problem. And, and that's likely to cause, you know, in the long term, physical, mental health issues. Um, but if there's no stress involved, um, we're not going to turn on any of the genes, really. I mean, we don't want to be extreme in the little old men smoking and drinking all day because he's probably escaping something. Um, but really, it's about the stress. It's about the come down. It's about the, the, the trauma or the issue that we're trying to avoid using the substances. So the, 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 the wine, the alcohol, the chocolate, are just the physical manifestations of the underlying addiction to fear. Perfectly said. Love it. Yeah. Love it. Now let's look at going to let's go into a bit more detail about the four connection strategies. So if you're, you know, if the listeners are, are thinking, oh my God, that's me, I actually maybe I am. Maybe she's saying something right and they've really had this aha moment. Like, what can we do like to focus more on getting some of that oxytocin? Um, happening in our bodies as opposed to the cortisol and the stress response. Yeah, beautiful. So that's right. So we take our focus initially away from the supposed addictive substance and we come over here to look at the, the connection strategies because what we do want to do is turn off the stress response. We just want to find ways to turn off the stress response that don't have a hangover, yeah? So... Producing oxytocin in the four strategies, connection to self, connection to others, connection to earth, connection to spirit, will produce oxytocin in your body. It will turn off the stress response and it doesn't have a hangover. So we're escaping that loop. So what we want to do is find all of those um, beautiful ways to connect. And what I usually do with clients is I'll do a meditative a guided meditation with them in order for them to come up with their own connection strategies that they already know works for them. Um, and then we make a plan because I mean, I can sit here and give you a list, you know, connection to self. We can do, you know, yoga and meditation and singing and um, walking, you know, connection, connection to earth, walking in the bush, um, meditating, grounding, taking your bare feet, into the sand or, or having a swim in the ocean. You know, there's a plethora of ways that we can connect, but really the individual needs to come up 
with what works for them um, because we all know we all have the wisdom and the deep understanding within us so we go on a journey and we we intentionally choose and bring into our lives more of these connection strategies. But it doesn't just mean going to yoga once a week and it doesn't just mean, oh, well, it's sunny outside, I'll go for a walk on a Wednesday. Like if we really want to battle the addiction, we have to bring these strategies in on a really high scale. Like self-care has to be number one, you know, it, it, in order to conquer this. Otherwise, we're just playing a game. Yeah, like as a society, we really need to be very, very serious about prioritizing our health and our connection and working out what works for us. Otherwise, pretty much disease, mental health and physical health is, is the fallout from that. Um, what happens though when we do start to fill our cup with these beautiful connection strategies and they'll all feel really good for a while, what happens is, as we all know, after a couple of weeks of yoga, hmm, I seem to have stopped or hmm, I've meditated really well for a week and oh, all of a sudden I haven't done it for two weeks. So what happens is there, we need to, the other, the basis of everything that I do is mindfulness. We need to bring in mindful awareness of our thoughts and our actions in order to catch ourselves when all of these little excuses will start to come up to say, oh, no, don't meditate today, just do it tomorrow because you don't have time and look at that thing on the to-do list and all of that fear starts rising up again because if we go back to the cells, what happens is we're having an upper limit. We're going to start to feed ourselves oxytocin, um, doing all these beautiful connection strategies. The cells will scream blue murder and say, oh, my God, where the hell's my stress? give us all the excuses not to do these wonderful things and then we're back where we started. So then I bring in another tool known as EFT and tapping because we need to be able to bust that fear as it arises. You know, we don't want to turn on any more red flags as we go. So it's the three strategies. It's the mindfulness to notice when these excuses are arising. It's putting in the the oxytocin producing connection activities and then it's using tools such as EFT tapping to work our way through the excuses, to work our way through the resistance and the upper limit that will happen when we start to change our lifestyle. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Amazing. So, so I really like this because I think we can all relate to a time in our lives where we've started some kind of new self-care ritual, whether it's changing what we're eating, um, which is a big one for me with, um, with my programs that I run. And people get great results. And I'd love to hear your opinion on this. So maybe that, you know, they've been throwing in a few different connection strategies. So they've been, you know, going to bed earlier and getting a really good night's sleep, which obviously is, you know, so important for um, a healthy stress response. They're eating amazing food. They've been taking themselves off for a barefoot walk on the beach. They've had um, more connection with their family and their friends and um, dancing and, and just all the sort of things that, you can, that you've explained that really give us that big oxytocin smackdown. But then they feel great and they think, oh, I feel really good now. And then so they stop doing what they're doing. So would that be just a case of hitting that upper limit and those cells not being fully responded to the oxytocin? And, and can they heal themselves can they get used to more of the good stuff yeah absolutely um yeah so that, that's a really good example because not only is stressful situations in our life 
a high risk that, that's going to want us to return to those behaviours. But even more so sometimes feeling good is a high risk. So like you say, I've been doing all these beautiful connection activities and I'm doing this and now I'm feeling really good so I don't really need to do them anymore. So that thought that that's gets sent to the brain thinking, I don't need to do this anymore because I feel good, is yes, absolutely. It's the cell saying, oh, I'd really like some adrenaline and um, some cortisol now. So just tell yourself that you feel fine and don't need to do it anymore. So yes, absolutely. So high-risk situations are feeling good and feeling shit. So that's when we need to have the mindfulness about us and the awareness and the preparation for when those situations arise. And the other thing that happens that... You know, like you say, when we clean up our diet and everything's feeling really good, um, unless we're really bombarding ourselves with some oxytocin-producing activities, those addictions quite often will turn up in a different form. So I know for me, when I gave up alcohol or I stopped eating, uh, drinking so much, I know my, my food intake increased. And it wasn't so much unhealthy food, and I noticed it was, it was at night because usually I'd have my wine and I'd relax but I'd overeat at dinner time. I'd, go, I'd eat all the food on the kids' plates and then I'd go back to the, um, the leftovers and I'd eat more and then I'd sit down and I remember this one day where I sat there and I go, oh, now I feel really relaxed and I go, oh, my God, I just, I'm using food now yeah, to, wow. to totally turn off my stress response. So that's also another thing that we have to look out for is, is potentially the addiction just for turning up in a different form, whether it become Facebook scrolling or shopping or spending or eating. Um, we have to be really mindful of what our behaviours are and why we're doing these, these things. Um, so your next question was, can we heal ourselves? Absolutely, absolutely. And the biggest question that people ask me is, hmm, so how long is this going to take? Mm. And, of course, of course, who knows? You know, everybody's different and we've all heard of miraculous healing. It's entirely possible to heal yourself miraculously in one amazing moment. But for most of us, it does take time. It takes intention. It takes commitment. It takes diligence. It takes courage, you know, and to, to recalibrate the makeup of ourselves, yes, it takes time. But it's a bloody exciting journey on the way. Really, what we're trying to do is create more heaven in our life and more oxytocin. Who wouldn't want that? But we just have to be mindful of our subconscious and what's coming up and what those thoughts are and bring in the other tools to combat that as we go. Love it. I love it. So could some of the, like, the upper limiting um, you know, experiences that we get or the... Um, sort of the, the, the plateaus that we hit, could it be all to do with different emotional things that we've got underneath, like, you know, of lack of self-worth or just not feeling enough? And really that's what needs addressing as opposed to the, the you know, bottle of wine every night. Oh, yeah, totally, totally. And so, you know, for, and I know you have and I do as well, we always, we, we might progress in our business and our life because we're doing all this really great work and then bang, we hit an upper limit. And yes, so our subconscious has layers and layers and layers and our life has had, you know, numerous amounts of traumatic events along the way. Um, and if you believe in past lives, which I do, and cellular memory and genetic memory that comes from our parents, you know, we carry a lot. So there's a lot to peel back. There's a lot to, um, there's a lot of layers to, to move through. 
so yes, we're, we're continuously having our upper limits. Um, you know, and a, a lot of it come, can be around money, can be around success, can be around worthiness, can be around relationships. So a lot of people think, though, that when they hit their upper limits, they can tend to really beat themselves up and go, oh, my God, am I back here? Really? I thought that I dealt with this. Really? But what happens is it's a spiral. And if you could see me, I'm, I'm putting my finger around in a circle. And, yes, we might get back to the same point, but we're higher on the spiral. But we're back at the same point. And then the next level, we go higher up and we're back at the same point. So we're always progressing and awakening. Um, we just have layers and layers and layers and layers to move so through. many and layers like it's so and, and you know like layers. you and I we're like best friends in town like we see each other all the time and we share all of our you know business stories with each other and personal stuff with yes. each other <laughs> like nearly every time oh my god I just had this massive upper limit and I've had this breakdown and then I've got this breakthrough and I remember saying to you the other day oh my, I just don't want to have any more upper limits because I'm just exhausted from yeah. all from yeah. all of these breakthroughs. But really, I, I think that, you know, looking back at like what my life was like 10 years ago when it was very much um, fear-based, everything was in a very like cocoon of fear. Um, yeah. And you sort of think that's your comfort zone. Um, but actually looking back, it wasn't comfortable at all. It was a very anxious, depressed, uh, self-doubt kind of world. Whereas this, even though it sounds like it's scary, it's the most fun. It's like playing a game, isn't it? It's like, you know, it's the most fun personal growth journey that you can have. And that's what I really think we're here to do is just to play the game of life and meet all of our upper limits face on instead of trying to get rid of them with alcohol and all the other ways that we can dodge it because you can't really avoid it, can you? You've got to get to those emotions at some point. Yeah, yes, absolutely. So, and I think some people think or feel that the idea is to feel blissfully happy all the time and, and that's what we're supposed to be striving for, but it's, but it's not. It, it's about being comfortable with the uncomfortable. It's about sitting with um, the hard emotions and nurturing and, and having compassion and self-love for ourselves during the hard times because Horrible stuff happens still. People get sick, people die, relationships break up, you know, people lose money. Like hard stuff happens in life. It just depends how we respond to it rather than react to it. And I know I, we had our conversation the other day and I've recently had gastro and, you know, I had two days totally wiped out in bed, like felt really, really sick. And then I said to you, oh, my God, I feel really good now. That was really cool because I didn't have to go on a two-week two week detox to clean out my body. I had a two-day gastro and it was awesome. I feel really good now. It only took two days. And you looked at me like, oh, my God, what are you saying? But, I was um, like, she doesn't mean it, universe. She doesn't want to get know, gastro all the time to feel don't. good. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. But, I, but I, I didn't fall victim to it. I didn't, you know, blame the world and get cross and mm. think, oh, my God, my whole world's going to end. I really, I just went with it and I said, okay, I'm going to rest. You know, I'm very lucky to have had a partner that could take the kids and, and do the things that needed to be done. Um, my business was okay without me for two days and I actually feel really good on the other side of it. So whatever upper limit that was, I've moved through it and, um, and I feel really great on the other side, you know, quite... And I was talking to someone the other day about most, there are a big percentage of people in the world who have really traumatic events happen to them and they 
feel like they are the victim of those traumatic events and they never get to the point of seeing the gift in them. Mm. And then there's other people in the world who are a little bit more um, emotionally intelligent and awake and they might have a traumatic event happen to them and afterwards they can look back and they can say, oh, my gosh, now I see the gift. Now I can see how my life has turned a corner from this traumatic event and there's something magical that's happened now. And then there are people, um, and I'm going to put yourself and myself in this category, not that we can do this all the time, but I know that you and I are able to, in the traumatic event, see the gift whilst we're in it. And that almost helps us to move through it, to know that every trauma, you know, has a some sort of silver lining, you know, something. And it's not to say bring on the trauma, but it helps us to cope. It helps us to respond and it helps us to know that this is going to help me to grow, to learn, um, to reach another level. Yeah, I agree. I always, I really believe that everything is always working out for me right now. It's like, even if it doesn't feel like it, it is. Yeah. And then you can look back and go, oh, I see, you know, like, and so, you, so it's that kind of that mindfulness in the moment, isn't it? Like thinking, this is really horrible. It, this feels really horrible, but I'm leaning into it and I'm willing to learn from it and move through it. And then when you pop out the other side, you're like, oh, I see why I needed to do that because I had to do X, Y, and Z in my business or I had to do X, Y, and Z in my personal life or with my health or my relationship or whatever. And, um, and that's, how, that's how things evolve and grow, which is awesome. Yeah. yeah. Now, I know that loads of people will be listening to this going, OMG, who is this woman? I need to do more with her and find out more about her. So how, how can people work with you, Tam? What, what sort of, um, do you run programs? Do you do one-on-one coaching? Tell us about what you offer. Yeah, thank you. Um, so I have three programs and one um, is a, it's an actual physical detox program. I call it Detox Without Deprivation because, like I said before, we don't want to take anything out of an empty cup. We want to fill our cup up. So the Detox Without Deprivation is a two-week program where we go on a physical detox and people get menus and recipes. But, but what I usually do then is it's the perfect opportunity when we, when we do take you know the crap out is to see what's underneath. So it's... It's very supportive emotionally um, and spiritually as well. We, we do a lot of um, exploration on a much deeper level through that detox program. And then I run an eight-week soul connection program. So the soul connection program is about bringing in those four connection strategies. We spend two weeks each on connection to self, connection to others, connection to earth and connection to spirit. So it's really about filling our cup and we also bring in the tapping and the mindfulness so that people have all three tools to deal with, um, you know, bringing about more oxytocin in their body and and we don't even really talk about the addiction. That's just going to sort itself out. You know, most people come into it with, you know, wanting to decrease their amount of alcohol intake or their mm. comfort eating or their, even their Facebook scrolling mm. or even just that someone might actually admit there's not many people out there that might go, look, I, I know I'm addicted to stress. I really need this. Mm. And, then, um, and then I also run a six-month mentoring program. So the mentoring program is for other healers, coaches, nutritionists, um, kinesiologists, light workers, whomever. Um, and I teach them the tools that I use so that they can incorporate that into their businesses. So I teach them 
how to use mindfulness. They get EFT qualifications. I teach them how to hold space, how to deeply and utterly believe that their client has all of the answers within them. We just ask the right questions. You know, we're far too directive in our, in our coaching. We need to be able to elicit and spiritually empower our clients to know that they've got the wisdom and the divine intuition within them. So, so they're the three levels that, that I work at. Um, people can jump onto my Facebook page. You know, I've got everything there that, that people can, um, you know, whatever program I'm running at any one time um, or jump onto my email list. So, yeah, there's something for everyone really. <laughs> no, it sounds awesome. It, there really is like a, you know, three different tiers where people can um, come and, and work with you. So what's the name of your Facebook page? Tamala Ridge. Just a little old me. Just fancy that. Nice and straightforward. Yeah. I love that. It's, you don't have to remember it's millions of different names. That's really good. And we'll put I'll the links to your Facebook page and your email list um, in the show notes as well. Now, before we wrap up today's show, Tam, is there any one last message or parting pearl of wisdom that you would like to leave with our listeners today? Oh, good question. So much. I think that um, I think a lot of people get to the point of thinking, I just can't do this. I've tried so many different things and here I am in the same spot and, and a lot of people get to that point of just giving up. And what I would encourage people to do is to know that I think we've been focusing on the wrong thing. You know, by, by taking things out of an, a depleted cup is, is more than likely, in fact, it's going to make those addictions come back with a vengeance. You know, how many people have tried to go on a diet and we've deprived ourselves and we've lost five kilos and then in six months' time we've put on 10 kilos. Um, you know, it's, it's a really daunting and horrible cycle that we can get into. But if we really just relax and let the pressure go, don't even think about you know, taking anything out and we really bring self-care into our daily routine, into scheduling it into our diary, making it a priority. And like I said, not just a one yoga class a week, we have to get really damn serious about this. And then look at all of the unworthiness that comes up around that. You know, we, we're, we're, we've lived in a patriarchal society for a long time um, you know, there's a, there's a whole lot of shame and guilt and unworthiness that women are carrying that we really need to, that's where we need to do the work. And then the other things, the other addictions, they just tend to fall away of their own accord. So take the pressure off yourselves and um, look at your self-care. Write down a list of your ways you could connect to yourself, ways you could connect to others, to earth and to spirit, and seriously put that on your fridge and make that your priority. And it's as easy as that, yeah? Perfect. Wonderful advice. Well, I certainly walk your talk in terms of um, the connection um, part and I do enjoy my wine and my coffee and my chocolate, but luckily <laughs> in the right way, which is awesome. Um, and, yeah, I just wanted to say thank you so much for sharing your wisdom, like even though – you and I've been friends for whew, nearly 10 years. Like there's a lot of things that, you know, that, that are new to me today that you've shared, um, you know, about your story and the work that you do. And I, I have to say, I'm really proud of your time. Like what you have put Thank together you. is amazing. And 
you know, I know you on a very personal level and I know how sincere you are and how approachable you are and what a great listener you are. Um, and you're non-judgmental and all the things that Aww. make you absolutely just red hot to work with. So um, if anyone's listening and they're thinking, oh my goodness, I really want to get in touch with Tam, then I really highly recommend her and encourage you to do so. So thank you so much, Tam, for being on the Primal Alternative podcast. Thank you so much. You nearly made me cry then. I was giggling and had a little tear in my eye. Thank you so much for your beautiful words and thank you so much for inviting me on. I've had the best time. Um, I love you. Thank I you. I love you too. I love you too. And let's um, bump into each other at Ravens, our favourite coffee Yes, please. Very soon. <laughs> <laughs> this has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.